0: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This
1: is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, everybody, live, live from the brand spanking new TSN 1050 Toronto Studios. I'm Andy McNamara, episode 26 of season five. And, folks, we are on the final push of the regular season. We are right in it by this time next week there'll be 15 final games and then it's on to the playoffs baby it's on to the playoffs give us a follow on twitter at tsn analytics myself at andymc81 we are delivered by domino's go get yourself a large four topping pizza for just 12.99 and make sure you check out all the great deals at domino's.ca including the irresistible marble cookie brownie which i know y'all love on today's show travis yost from tsn.ca will be by in just a moment gus cutceros Rotor World, analytics columnist from McKean's Hockey, talking some Maple Leafs. He'll stop by. Micah McCurdy from HockeyViz.com, one of the premier analytics minds in the business. And then we wrap up with some fantasy hockey talk. James Harding from NHL.com. But let's get to it. The man in the leadoff spot, Travis Yost. Travis, how's it going, man?
2: Andy, it looks like our uh, war of attrition has worked. I don't know if you saw Chris Johnson yesterday. It sounds like the playoff format might be changing then to next year.
1: There you go. How about that? That's perfect. You see, it only it, took six years of us complaining about it for
2: six years on this, five years on this show. Whatever it is. <laughs>
1: that, That's it. You know, you, you just keep hammering away, and at some point, somebody listens, right?
2: War of attrition. <laughs>
1: It's perfect. Okay, Travis, let's get into, And we didn't get a chance to chat with you last week because of some technical issues on our side, but uh, there, there's a ton to get to, right? Um, now, on TSN.ca, you took a look at how the Maple Leafs have evolved at their utilization of 39-year-old Patrick Marlowe this season. And as you noted in the article, Marlowe's been on a steady decline since December when it comes to the number of minutes that he logs five-on-five. Five. Now, the one question that we don't have an answer to is if Toronto is doing this to rest Marlowe for the postseason or if they're just cranking back his minutes because he, he's not producing. Regardless of what, what it is, how do you feel about the Maple Leafs' usage of Marlowe, and, and where's that sweet spot when it comes to minutes?
2: I, I think they found it now. Um, if you look, in the month of February and March, he was right around the 8th most utilized forward on the team, uh, which to me is a pretty proper slot. Whether you're using production, you know, simple counting measures like his rate scoring, he's got about 37 points this year, he may not hit 40 points, or are using more advanced numbers like maybe goals above replacement placement uh, at the individual level. Uh, Marlowe has consistently been a steady producer for the Maple Leafs, but he, he's really a bottom-six option at this point. Um, and, I, you know, I think I think the ability, you know, if you've watched recently, Toronto's linked him up uh, re- almost predominantly with Nazem Kadri on that third line. I, I think that's a much better spot for him. Uh, he doesn't have the wheels uh, that he used to back in his early 30s. That's for one. And for two, uh, you know, when when, when you was even a half-step in this league, uh, it becomes obvious very quickly and 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 Marlow can still terrorize teams, especially the bottom sixes of other teams around the league um but you know in in the case of Toronto one, you have a bit of a production issue with Marlowe right now, but two, the other thing with Toronto is you have maybe the healthiest complement of forwards in the league outside cap Bay so it 's not like there, is, there are are no options to display some of those minutes uh from patrick Marlowe. so you if you 've noticed Andreas has really seen boost. It's very capping and seeing a boost in spots. So, you know, some guys are sliding up, some guys are sliding down. And I, you know, I, I, it's plausible that they're arresting him a little bit. Um, but to me, it seems more likely that Nick Babcock and his coaching staff have found a better slot where they can insulate his minutes a little bit more, uh, keep his mileage down, and, uh, and and get him out against some weaker competition, too.
1: Well, and Toronto isn't the only team that is utilizing this this veteran a minute management, right? In the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, the famous, famous term, the two most famous words in the city when it comes to basketball, load management. And <laughs> when, when, right, when you look at, at for the Maple Leafs um, and, and other teams, it's it's interesting when you take a peek at, let's say, a Zidane O'Chara, sitting out a handful of games once, once their team um, clinches as, as a potential. Like, do you see that becoming more the norm in the NHL, like we're seeing a bit with Marlowe and really a theme in the NBA?
2: Yeah, and especially in these spots where it makes no sense. I mean, there's certain teams right now that are completely locked into their specific playoff spot, and their road will not change because it's got to be through the division. Um, like I think I think already today, the island, like just picking a random team, the Islanders, for example, can basically seal depending on what happens. That not only will they be in that specific slot, but they'll also be going through the Metro. So you know, like these teams are already getting into their spots. There's five or so games left on the season. I think we're already seeing a change. We saw it at the trade deadline too, right? When 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 I wrote that a couple months ago about how, you know, it, w- it was basically pointless to assume any injury risk for guys that were very likely trade candidates, just because of how frequently uh, medium and long term injuries occur. We saw how many five, six, seven, eight teams resting really good players at the trade deadline, just because it's like, hey, we're fine with a one or two game insurance policy here. We don't want to burn an asset right before the deadline. And I think the same thing you're starting to see now. You mentioned Daniel Chara. When's the last time Mark andre Fleury played? I mean, I I, I think he had right. a kid or something to that effect, but this is happening around the league that, especially if you've noticed, some goaltenders, some teams around the league are really, really balancing minutes. In Columbus, I know there's a multitude of things going on with Sergei Bobrovsky there, but even Bobrovsky, who's a guy who's consistently playing 66-5 games, has pretty much been a 1A, 1B option for two months now. Now, you can cite some of that to be performance, but I can guarantee that part of the... Part of the concerns about Bobrovsky in years past uh, was that he was a great goalie and they felt, at least in part, uh, that his workload was so significant that that's why um, his play would peter out in the playoffs. And whether there's truth to that or not, I think is up for debate, but um, that's certainly a prevailing theory. So, again, I think you're seeing this with goalies and even in certain spots with some veteran skaters as well.
1: In conversation with Travis Yost from tsn.ca on Twitter at Travis Yost. You can check out all his great work on tsn.ca. So, uh, Travis, one thing we wanted to get to with you last week was your article on tsn.ca where you looked at which teams are playing the best hockey heading into the playoffs. And you used the NHL trade deadline as that cutoff point and moving forward. So, the question I want to ask you is, do you like this type of... Of team compared to another, so a hot team coming in, maybe a little inconsistent at the start of the year. Let's say, like a St. Louis coming in hot to the postseason, or a consistently good team that maybe is stumbling a little bit going into the postseason. What's your preference?
2: Oh, that's kind of a loaded question. So, look, yeah. let, me, let me put a little nuance to it. And here's why. So, in the case of St. Louis, for example, I, I think I just think um, in the early parts of the season. That St. Louis team was playing really well. They were getting no bounces, and you can argue, okay, yeah, they weren't getting goaltending. Um, the, the shooters were shooting consistently around four or five percent, but they were mostly territorially dominating these games, and it, and it seemed inevitable that they would go through some sort of goaltending shooting percentage spike. And guess what? Both of them happened pretty much at the same time. And the Blues, I think Elliot Friedman pointed this out. Um, the Blues have went from dead last to first in a matter, or, sorry, dead last into the playoffs in a matter of about three months. So. Um, you know, it, to me, that's more uh, indicative of team talent. But to, to, to answer your broader question, I, I, I certainly like the teams that are playing well coming into the playoffs. And the reason why is if I've got a sample of 25, 30 games, which is usually what I look at when we head into the playoffs, tends to be the best predictor of how the playoffs will go, um, you can get a better feel for how a team is performed, for how a team will perform if you look at a, a bit more recent data. Um, and, you know, even to your question, a team that's playing consistently well, uh, that could be the type of team that tapers off down the stretch maybe a little bit because of an injury or two. So if if, if I look at it from that perspective, and I really want to get a feel for, you know, which teams are really ca- carrying momentum and looking like they're playing well and all the underlying measures are really encouraging, I, I'm fine truncating the last 25, last 30 games and saying, hey, what, what are my five or six best teams, and these are my legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. What's fascinating, though, is that that tends to be pretty collinear. Uh, with full season results, so no matter what twenty five game interval or full season interval you look at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's the best is the best team in the week. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can line it all up, but when you got a team that's at 122 points and has had not much to play for in a while, that's is that's tough. Is there
2: any way? Is there any way Cooper doesn't coach this year?
1: I I don't see how. Like how? Like why not? Right? Like there's. It, it would be. It would
2: be a grave injustice if they did the thing that we do from time to time in the media, which is. Oh, this little darling team that finished 14th, and we expected them to finish 23rd. That's that's our coach of the year candidate. I, look, I, I admire those efforts, but this is one of the more dominant teams we've seen in the last 15 years. It's got to go to Coop.
1: Yeah, or also what I hate is like, oh, anybody could have won with that team, right? That argument.
2: Yeah, well, no one is. That, that's that's the same argument I've made for years with Bruce Boudreaux. You Everyone criticizes how he gets You know,
1: every year I hear the criticism
2: of, yeah, well, Boudreaux never won a Stanley Cup. Look how hard it is to make the playoffs. And Boudreau has a team, again, like they go into a must-win game last night. Huh. pulling out 3-2. I mean, this, this, all this guy does is make the postseason.
1: Travis, let's finish on, we put up a Twitter poll question, at TSN Analytics, and it's about the wildcard race, which has just been wild for the last number of weeks. Let's go to the East, though. Who will be the two teams left standing at the end of the regular season in the Eastern wildcard spots? Carolina and Columbus. Carolina and Montreal or the Canadians and the Blue Jackets? How would you vote?
2: I'm going to go Carolina and Columbus. And the maybe the only reason why is I have the benefit of having seen that really fun Columbus-Montreal game uh, a couple days ago. But that was a critical game. I mean, you're talking about changing playoff probabilities by 20%, 25% almost. And, uh, and Columbus wins that game. I mean, that was massive for them. It's real, Montreal does not have an easy road the rest of the way. And unfortunately, I think these are three of the 16 best teams in the league. I, I, I genuinely mean that. I, if you kind of look at how the NHL is stacked up, and regardless of which of those three teams you think is the worst, I think you—I think most people would agree it's between Columbus or Montreal out of that group of three. Um, they are not worse than the 16th best team. This is a, We have a little bit of confidence in balance this year. The East is a little stronger than the West, and uh, it's going to be unfortunate that one of them misses it. But, if I had to pick one that I think would miss it now, hey, I'm going to go with Montreal. Unfortunately, and it really is terrible because uh, that that team has been as fun to watch as any team in the league. They play super fast. They they give good teams challenges with their team speed, um, and they have they have a goaltender who can turn them on any any time anywhere. But um, I, I just don't think they have the same uh, same roster capabilities that a Columbus or Carolina does at this point.
1: Yeah, and 71. percent of our uh, voters agree with you, Travis. That's leading the way then. Carolina, Montreal after that at 18% and 11% for Montreal and Columbus. So as usual, you are a man of the people and we always appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Gotta follow him on Twitter at Travis Yost. Has tremendous food hot takes as well. Controversial. We, we actually disagree on a lot of his hot food takes. So that's uh, a lot of fun for Travis Yost as well on Twitter. You got to follow him at Travis Yost. We're going to step aside. Some Maple Leafs talk after the break. Gus Katsaros from Roto World and McKean's Hockey to break it all down. Our analytics insider next on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's unlimited two topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each that's right as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas so stock up dig in and feed that hunger with unlimited two topping medium pizzas perfect for the big game a busy night with the family or just because order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert that's dominoes.ca
3: the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050,
1: the voice of hockey. Back and rolling here on TSN Hockey Analytics, TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get us on Twitter at AndyMC81, at TSN Analytics, Instagram too. At Andy Mc Sports, still to come in the program. Mike McCurdy from Hockey Viz, James Harding, fantasy expert from NHL.com. You can also watch the show live right now on my Twitch channel, Andy Mac Live. You can go Twitch.tv/AndyMacA, A N D Y M A C Live, and click follow, watch along, see the new studio, see you a little bit behind the scenes. So lots of cool stuff. But let's get to the Maple Leafs, the final march of the regular season, folks. This time next week, this Saturday, will be the last group of games. And then it's on to the playoffs. Let's bring in our guy from McKean's Hockey from Roto World, Gus Katsaros. Gus, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely, man. And listen, it's, it's kind of funny when you think about Jake Gardner and Leaf fans booing him, hating on him. Uh, they're, they're, they're kind of missing him now, aren't they, with, with things the last few weeks with that injury, and we're not too far removed from that game where Gardner was booed against the Avalanche. How much will the Leafs' chances against the Bruins be swayed Firstly, by Gardner and Dermott being healthy and in the lineup. But secondly, if their level of play after the long layoff isn't up to where it needs to be.
3: Well, I mean, anytime you take two players really out of your lineup, um, like Dermott and Gardner, you're going to face a lot of adversity. Um, I think that the defensive play that the Leafs have shown all year has now uh, really been under more of a microscope due to the fact that those two players haven't been in the lineup add the goaltending roles on top of that. Um, so bringing them back in, and my assumption here would be they are either 100% or as close to 100% to be able to effectively play the game. Um, if they're not, then clearly the Leafs are are, are going to struggle similar to the way that they are now. But under the assumption that they're fully healthy, um, I think assimilating back into the regular NHL pace, regardless of whether it's regular season or or the playoffs, I think that they'll be both okay. Okay. Um, I think the least defense will definitely be better for it. Gardner is a vital vital component of their transition game. Um he he performs in 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 a lot of uh, very detailed situations. So the fact that he's not in the lineup has really made those little situations even that much more difficult to to outskate. They can't outscore their problems and they can't keep the puck out of their net. So there's a lot of factors above and beyond just Gardner and Dermott being uh, inserted back into the lineup that do concern me.
1: Now, I guess let's get into Mike Babcock again here. And the other week, a couple weeks ago, it was his relationship with general manager Kyle Dubas. Now we're seeing some focus being put on his comments against Freddie Anderson and came down to the issue that uh, over the month of March, posting an 890 save percentage in 11 games. And when it comes to Anderson, Gus, what is causing you the most concern as we approach the playoffs? It is his play. Is it his fatigue level, which has been a storyline from the preseason back in the summer? Or can all these problems be solved by the team in front of him just playing better defense?
3: Wow. Well, I mean, we can Sacked. all say that they're going to play better defense, but we've been kind of yeah. hitting that bell all season. And we still haven't really hit any definitive results here. So... For your question specifically, his play is my biggest concern. I think the fatigue factor plays into um, the way that he's played, and, and that's causing a concern. Um, and I think that the Leafs just aren't aren't providing a lot of support. I mean, you see so many breakdowns in the defensive zone that Henderson, if he's not on top of his game, if he's not at one hundred percent, and we're talking star low uh, level caliber, um, the Leafs are going to struggle. You know, up until the point where they play Tampa Bay. He was sporting a 9-2-4 save percentage. That would have been a career best going the rest of the season. Um, and after that little stretch, he's now playing back up to his career averages as far as save percentages go. So this is the Freddie Anderson that, that I think that the Leafs are going to get. You're going to get star caliber in one play. You're going to get mediocre play over a period of time. And the Leafs have to be able to either outscore the mediocre play or ride out his stellar performance and just provide with a few goals to support. That's what playoff hockey is all about. And I think you need to be able to ride out all those waves. My concern about him not playing well over the last few weeks should dissipate as they start to focus more on a one-on-one playoff series. Um, But everybody has to really be concerned over the level of fatigue that he's shown over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, no doubt. In conversation with Gus Kutzeros from Roto World and McKean's hockey analyst brought to you by one in one hundred. Win killer seats to any Toronto game for less than the cost of a pitcher of beer. Go to one in one zero zero dot net, one in one zero zero dot net and check it out. It's a really cool site. Joining me on the Domino's Pizza Delivery Line, it is Gus Kutzeros. Okay, Gus, coming from TSN Zone, Mark Masters, the Leafs defensive top four of Riley, Muzzin, Zaitsev, and Haynes all averaging at least one minute more of ice time in the month of March than they've averaged throughout the rest of the regular season. And our TSN hockey analyst Craig Button even noted on Leafs Lunch this week that Morgan Riley is starting to look fatigued. We just talked about with Anderson, but Riley's starting to look tired after eating up so many minutes for the Leafs this year. So how important is it for Babcock to now spread the load a little bit and utilize his third pairing? And how much can be expected of the Callie Rosen to help out this situation?
3: Well, I think that Rosen might be one of the um, another X factor here. I mean, we're the fact that he's bringing being brought up to the NHL and being inserted into the lineup shows that they ser- seriously don't have a lot of confidence in that. Either putting Marincin, uh Igor Oshiganov, um through a rotation, um, you could even. You could even say that Rosen is supposed to be this um, permanent third-pairing fixture, which I'm not really sure is really the case. The spreading out of minutes, um, I think it would be typical because of the fact that you're just missing Gardner and Dermott. Um, I would debate a little bit about the looking fatigued. I'm not really sure how we can possibly um, gauge how a player looks fatigued over you know, a short period of time. Right. I, I think that that might be a bit of a difficult stretch. To me, I think that Morgan Riley's responsibilities have put him into a point where He's regarded as such a, a a vital element of the Leafs that he's on the ice for so long, well, clearly he's going to be fatigued. It's just the optics might seem that way. Um, but he's a professional athlete, ready to play the minutes that he's been allotted. If he wasn't, then he should have addressed that with the coaching staff, and they could have taken care of that. I think that Rosen coming up is definitely going to put another player into the bottom pairing rotation, but the Leafs vitally need to get Gardner and Dermott back the spreading out of minutes over the course of March um, would probably even have occurred um, had the Leafs had a definitive playoff spot, knowing who their opponents would be, whether they had home ice or not, as the coaching staff starts to iron out little details that they want players and team the team to work with heading into the playoffs. So uh, I, I like the fact that they kind of spread out the minutes, but there was more of a necessity in this situation just because of the injury factors.
1: And, Gus, we talk so much about the defensive problems, defense, defense, and, and now a little bit of goaltending. Sometimes I think we forget the strength of this team is goal scoring. And when we now look with the playoffs being so close, how important do you think it is that this Toronto team, this goal production, has to get kicked up, has to remain high, and really be the factor, that X factor, to bail this team out of when the defense goes south or Freddie Anderson as you mentioned earlier has a bit of a tough game how important is it specifically for this strong offensive unit to be clicking on all cylinders going into the postseason
3: well I mean their offense has really masked a lot of their def- defensive deficiencies over yeah. the course of this season you know you start playing a lot of six-two, seven-two, eight-two 2 7 games and, and you start padding your results and and then all of a sudden your goaltending falters and you're not winning 6-2, 7-2, you're winning 7-6, 7-5. And now games are a little bit tighter because a 7-6 game is still just a one-goal game. Um, so if they can't outscore their defensive deficiencies in the playoffs, they're going to have a very difficult time uh, winning games on a consistent enough basis to start winning even a round. Um, so they need to be able to generate more scoring um And I think that they need to generate more scoring earlier in the game. This way, they do have some kind of a buffer or something to kind of build on. We see how they don't start very, uh, very quickly, um, and then the reliance on goaltending seems to to jump as the game wears on. And and a bad goal in a bad time, and they can't recover. The Leafs are going to have to rely a lot more on their scoring. And remember, defense in the way that we view it in modern times is about getting the puck back. So the Leafs are trying to exploit their best skills the ability to generate offense and score goals by supplementing those skills by getting pucks back playing well defensively and i I think they both play kind of hand in hand and if those two elements aren't really synced if they can't get the puck back and are able to use their their offensive skill set they're going to heavily rely on goaltending and if goaltending falters and this is where we get into our wicked chain of events where um things start to
1: go south gus great stuff as always buddy thank you Pleasure is always mine. Thank you very much, Andy. All right, there he goes. Gus Katsaros, Roto World Analytics columnist, works for McKean's Hockey, does a great job there as well. On Twitter, at Cats with a K. Make sure you give him a follow. After the break, one of my favorite guys to chat with. The 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 analytic insight of this of this man is phenomenal. Micah McCurdy, hockeyviz.com. We'll talk wild card races. We'll talk his early season projections and models, how they related to how they look now, going into the last week of the regular season. Micah McCurdy from HockeyViz is next on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back and rolling here at TSN Hockey Analytics from the brand spanking new TSN 1050 Toronto studio. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening. On TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes if you miss any episodes. And you can also watch live right now on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash andymaclive. Click follow on there, and you can watch, see the studio behind the scenes cool stuff right there. That's twitch.tv slash andymaclive. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. And we got a poll question, too, on which which wildcard scenario do you think is going to play out in the East? Go to TSN Analytics. You can vote on that now. But joining me on the line, first visit this season. It's, it's an annual event. I at least have to talk to this gentleman once a year. One of the greatest analytics minds out there from HockeyViz.com, Micah McCurdy. Micah, how's it going, buddy? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Very good, very good. Uh, so let's start with a pivotal game in the Western Conference Wild Card race last night. Two teams fighting for that final spot, Arizona and Colorado, played each other head-to-head. It was an exciting one as the Coyotes battled back-to-force overtime in a shootout, but ultimately lost. Do you have faith in the Coyotes in making up three points in the standings in their final four games of the season and forcing Colorado out of a playoff spot?
3: No. <laughs> I don't.
4: In a word, the... They were, they were already really behind the eight ball before they went into that game and they, I mean, to really even up the the contest and make it close, they needed to take both points and let Colorado have none. So it's rough to even let it get into overtime and, and especially rough, of course, to drop that shootout, which is part of, just highlights how unfair those shootouts can be.
1: Joining me on the Domino's pizza delivery line, Micah McCurdy from HockeyViz.com on Twitter at IneffectiveMath. And folks, make sure you get to Domino's.ca today. Online delivery options, large four-topping pizza for just $12.99, fresh, delicious toppings. Get the irresistible marbled cookie brownie for the dessert. The chicken, boneless chicken, side dishes, phenomenal. Check it all out at Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. Now, Micah, we go from the West to the east, it's a bit more complicated there, and I'll get your vote on our Twitter poll in a second, but I'll ask you first. Uh, the three teams that are fighting for the final wildcard spots, uh, Carolina, Columbus, you got Montreal, and they're all kind of jostling for position. And as of yesterday afternoon, HockeyViz.com had the Canadians at a 35% chance of making the playoffs. If you had to provide Habs fans with one strand of hope to hold on to, what is one reason why you believe the Canadians will qualify for the postseason?
4: I think the only the only way that that becomes a lot larger number is if the Habs opponents, who are all extremely, um, almost entirely qualified for the playoffs, the only one who's not already is Toronto, and they're probably going to qualify tonight. The, if they start resting players and start putting up nowhere close to their best rosters, then I think that will open the schedule up for Montreal. If they don't, I think it's going to be very, very tough.
1: So let me get your your vote then on our TSN Hockey Analytics Twitter poll at TSN Analytics at Andy Mc81. Who will be the two teams left standing at the end of the regular season in the Eastern Wildcard spots? And I guess I, I probably know your answer from it, but we'll get your official vote: Carolina and Columbus, Carolina and Montreal, or the Canadians and the Blue Jackets.
4: I uh, I think I'm going to have to take the chalk vote and go for Carolina and Columbus.
1: Yeah, that's that is 71 of uh, of our listeners and of our voters are. Uh, favor in that one. 71%, then 17% for Carolina, and then uh, Montreal and Columbus at just 12% there. So, Michael, let's look at one team that has had the biggest in-season turnaround the last few years, and that's the St. Louis Blues. Under five hundred for the first three months of the regular season, and on January 3rd, they were dead last in the NHL. Then in February, shot up the standings, went on an 11-game win streak, and since then, they've sustained their playoff-caliber play. Now, according to MoneyPuck.com, the Blues have the second-best chance of winning the Stanley Cup, trailing only the Lightning. Now, on HockeyViz.com, you do your own version of Stanley Cup chances. So where do the Blues fall in that race to you?
4: So I I have the Blues much, much less likely to win the Cup than that. Uh, I have them only at 3%. So one one of the lower chances among the playoff teams... And part of the reason why is that I, as a discipline, I try to look at two years' worth of results for all of the players who are on the rosters for all of the teams. And so if you look at two years for for St. Louis, you see, just like you were saying, a lot of their extremely good play very recently. But you also see the very weak play this season and the, the mixed bag from last season, too.
1: So, when you look at a team like like what St Louis was able to do though it, it's so it's so impressive, but I'm with you. It seems like if you're in that position also there's got to be a burnout factor at some point right like there's got to be like you've been playing with playoff type emotion like must wins for months now like does does that come into to any sort of play to you
4: so i I think it's definitely possible I don't include any features like that i don't quite know how to put my hands yeah. on it. But but I think there is a possibility that there's those kinds of effects there. I think it would just show up like
1: fatigue. In conversation with Mike McCurdy from HockeyViz.com on Twitter at ineffective math, and let's go from a positive in-season turnaround to a negative. And at one point in this season, the Sabers were right in the mix of these wild card chases. They were right in it, but now Buffalo has had the worst month of March in the league with a two ten and two record. Why do you feel things went so south so quickly for that young Sabres team?
4: So there's a few things. I think their goaltending. They had every right to expect it was going to be a little bit better than it was. I expected it was going to be extremely good, and it was. It's been slightly below average. Uh, the other thing I think is that in, that they were really fooled by the point system earlier on in the year. They got a lot of points from post-regulation victories, which aren't as difficult to get and don't have the same meaning really. And so if you win, like that 10-game win streak only has three regulation wins in it, and all of the others are, are coin flips, which they happen to win. And those sorts of things can really weigh on you and make you think that you're a much, much better team than you are.
1: Yeah, it, it's one of those factors, I think, Micah, for the Sabres, where when we saw that early season success, you kind of got the feel like, okay, now the rebuild is actually happening. Now the pieces they put in place is actually working. And it just really never, never turned out that way, did it?
4: Yeah, and they didn't show a great deal of faith in some of the pieces that they might have done. Right. You know, Darlene's got a, a, quite a long rope. I think that's very sensible. But, um, but they haven't given Middlestat the minutes that I thought they might have done. They, they treated Lawrence Pilot with real kid gloves. They, they could have used a lot more of him. He had an unlucky streak of goaltending, and they sent him down. They just got rid of him, which I think was very hasty. And, and in general, I feel like they didn't really give their youth the chance to shine that they might have done.
1: Michael, let's get to the big series here in the city, of course. That is, we've known it's coming for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Leafs-Bruins. But it seems like the general population believes and Leaf fans in, yeah, overall, wringing their hands, feel that the Maple Leafs are major underdogs. Do you feel the Leafs are as big underdogs as many people feel in the Bruins? Which is essentially, Mike, it's essentially like, hey, you know what? Maybe they get five or six games, but there, there's no way they're winning. How do you feel about that upcoming series?
4: I think it's basically a coin flip, actually. So I guess that means wow. I rate the Leafs a lot higher than a lot of other people. If anything, I think the Leafs have a very slight advantage, which is probably matched by Boston getting home ice advantage, which which they're almost certain to get at this point. And part of that is is just offense. I have a lot of respect for for the way that the Maple Leafs can bring just incredible numbers of shots from mostly from the between the dots, which is I mean obviously where the goals come from, and so that being able to do that both at 5-on-5 five five and on the power play is is very, very strong. And their defense is weak. You know, the, the things that people say about them are largely true. Um, but we have this, especially in the playoffs, we have this habit of of talking about offense like it somehow really doesn't matter. But that's still how you win.
1: Yeah, sometimes people <laughs> – that's a great point. Sometimes people forget, right? It's like, uh, yeah, if you score a lot of goals, that's still good. That That's still a good that's, thing to right. do. Right? That That's still <laughs> – that's still okay. The Maple Leafs could do that. All right, Mike. Uh, these, these shifts in momentum in, in the season that we talked about, pros and, and cons for some teams, are, are certainly unpredictable. But on HockeyViz.com, you provide a link to your season previews, which are published right before the start of the regular season. Provides everything from point projections... Playoff probabilities, even foresight into which team will be the least and most penalized in the league. Now that we're in the final days of the regular season schedule, let's take a look back. And which team do you feel missed the mark on most? Uh, like, which team that you projected to to do well or not so well missed the mark positively or negatively the most?
4: So the biggest, the biggest miss for me is definitely the Ducks. Uh, I expected their goaltending to be best in the NHL, and I expected a lot of their other aspects to be weaker than that, but still okay, and that goaltending alone would put them near the top of the Western Conference. And they got the all-world goaltending, and I think John Gibson still deserves the Vesna this year, uh, but all of the other stuff deserted them completely. So that's that's mostly an L. Um, the other ones that, that I found really surprising are the Blues, just like we talked about before. I, I thought their goaltending was going to be very bad, and at first it was with Jake Allen, and, and of course I did not have any idea about that Jordan Bennington would be the revelation that he's been. And uh, and then I didn't expect that uh, that they'd fire their coach and that they'd much improve along those lines, too. So those are the two big misses for me.
1: Right, and that that's something you can't predict, right? And The uh, the site and, and insight that you provide on HockeyViz.com is tremendous. Tell people a little bit, if they're not going to HockeyViz.com, if they don't know about the site, first of all, shame on them, but inform all of us what they can expect when they go to HockeyViz.com.
4: So it's a stats website, but with a bit of a difference. There's hardly any tables full of numbers. Instead, everything is done with pictures. That's why it says viz in the name, where I try to make data viz so that you can see at a glance if one team is doing a lot better at generating shots from certain places or doing a terrible job at limiting shots against at certain places. And So there's a lot of different stuff, but the, the real marquee stuff is all shot maps where you can just see where shots are being taken on the ice.
1: And that's what I love about it. It's, it makes it so you're not having to figure out. I, I told a, a story earlier, Mike, a, a few years ago when there was the Hockey Analytics Conference in Ottawa and I walked into the, <laughs> one of the classrooms and it looked like, you know, the beautiful mind, all the math for him. I was like, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. But with your, the charts that you provide, it really helps to break it down and make it easy to understand and, and, and for fans to be able to figure out, okay, why is this important to the games I'm watching? So I like that a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. No problem. Thank you. Hey, we have to talk to you at least once a year. So great to have you in. And let's do it again real soon, buddy. Thank you. Anytime. Take care. There he goes. Micah McCurdy, HockeyViz.com on Twitter at Ineffective Math. We're going to step aside after the break. Fantasy Hockey Talk. Get ready for your fantasy hockey playoffs, DFS plays, get you set. Last week of the regular season is coming up, so I'm going to my guy James Harding from NHL.com, their great fantasy hockey writer. That'll be next to wrap things up on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. You can follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at andymc81. Instagram, too, at Andy MC Sports. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Don't miss an episode there or on the tsn1050.ca show page. You can also watch along right now on Twitch TV. Just go to twitch.tv slash andymaclive, andymaclive, and you can see the brand new Toronto TSN 1050 studio. Very cool. Very sleek. It's looking good. Just click a follow there, twitch.tv slash uh, andymaclive. Let's get to some fantasy hockey, folks. Okay, it's time. There's only one man I go to when he's available, and he usually is. James Harding from NHL.com, They're terrific fantasy hockey writer. James, how are you? I am good,
0: Andy. I have a question for you, my friend. Okay. Who would be the more fantasy-relevant winger between you and producer Sean on a line with Connor McDavid and Leon
1: Seidel. Wow, you know what? I'll give the advantage to producer Sean. He's got a lot of size. Like Shawnee is a legit. Shawnee, what are you? You're legit, like 6'5", 6'6". 6'5", 6'6". So James, there's the answer. You got the big body there, throwing around. I'd be a little more of like kind of the squirrely Darcy Tucker type, trying to chip people off and, and hit skate the like a
2: gazelle too.
1: <laughs> Connor would have to keep up with me, I think. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Oh wow! Fighting words right there. (laughs) You know what? He could crack the lineup uh, with with without things like that. I don't know if you saw James. There was a uh, a tweet put out, and it was uh, 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 Drysaddle and McDavid each holding like a hundred point puck, and it was like, and it said Oilers team photo, and it was just the two of them. It was great.
0: (laughs) I mean, when you look at what they the two of them take up as far as the cap space goes, I think it's about a quarter of what that team uh, can afford. So that's a pretty accurate statement. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know what? Let's get some fantasy uh, fantasy hockey talk with Stock Up, Stock Down. And there we go. So uh, let's get to Stock Up. James, who's your number one Stock Up for this week going into the weekend?
0: Yeah, my number one Stock Up for this week is Avalanche goaltender Philip Grubauer. He's won back-to-back starts and six of his best seven overall He's taken a firm grasp of the starting job down the stretch out in Colorado over teammate Semyon Varlamov. He's 7-2-1 with a 1.48 goals against and 9.55 save percentage in 10 starts over 11 games in the month of March with two shutouts. Uh, having a career season right now, career-high 17 wins, and his next game will set a new career high with 36 games played. Uh, he's definitely worth adding over the final week in keeper league uh, or in all leagues. And in keeper league, he could be somebody to watch as a sleeper to be a late-round keeper for next season. Uh, he has just taken a firm grasp of the way he's playing right now. He's a must-add in all leagues. He's available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues right now, only 43% owned. So take advantage of groove hour right now seeing a lot of playing time down the stretch. Colorado is not officially eliminated from the playoff race yet, so they're still trying. He's still playing. Uh, I would definitely say that in the final week of your fantasy playoffs, a goaltender like this on a burner the way he is right now could definitely be a deciding factor between you winning or losing.
1: I love it. I that, That's a great pickup, especially yeah, if you're in your fantasy playoffs and the goaltender, you got a goalie, maybe not living up to what you need and, and you're in a tough matchup. That's terrific. Who's your second stock up?
0: My second stock up, Pavel Bucinevic from the New York Rangers. Uh, had a multi-point game, one goal and one assist against St. Louis on Friday. Extended his point streak to six games, and he has points in seven of his past eight games overall. Four, uh, four goals, four assists. Three power play points, 20 shots on goal in that span. Uh, playing on the second, I mean on the first line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, and with both of them, Ryan Strom and Kevin Shattenkirk on the Rangers' first power play unit. Uh, the Rangers are out of it right now. They're kind of just front loading that lineup and, and giving guys a chance to play. Butchnevich has popped around that lineup all season, but he has had success in the past on that line with Kreider and Zibanejad. He's back there right now. He's producing. He's another one of those low-ownership guys available in the vast majority of leagues, over 90% of Yahoo leagues right now. Uh, and, again, one of those guys who, as a winger, you can add to your lineup, and he could definitely potentially have an effect with the way that he's playing right now over the course of the final week of your
1: fantasy playoffs. So those are the two stock up. We've got two to keep away from. You start with Jonathan Quick.
0: Yeah, and you know one of those guys that we were just talking about, maybe a goaltender who is not producing right now for you. When you look, he's lost back-to-back games. He's lost six of his past ten. He missed a lot of time this season due to injury, so he's not having the very Jonathan Quick-type year that we normally expect from him. But a losing record, 15-22-7, so he will, no matter what, finish the season with a losing record. A 3.31 goals against average and an 8.90 save percentage. And a very, very tough stretch to to finish the season for the Kings. They play against Chicago tonight, and then they play Calgary, Arizona, Anaheim, and Vegas to close out the season. So very, very tough stretch. Uh, I would not be trusting Jonathan Quick if he is on my roster for the final week of the fantasy playoffs.
1: And then we move out of the crease and into Evander Kane as another guy to avoid.
0: Yeah, we've talked about Evander Kane once or twice earlier this season. He uh, had missed some time earlier this month with some injuries and was out of the lineup. He's pointless in five of his six games since coming back. Only one goal in that span despite having 19 shots on goal. Definitely feeling the impact of not having Joe Pavelski in that top six. They've been shuffling the top six there a little bit. He's playing on a line with Tomas Hurdle and Lucas Rattle right now, so not excellent coverage there outside of Hurdle who has been up and down as of late as well. Uh, so if I had Kane, I would probably be okay dropping him if there are guys available in your league who are producing at a much higher rate than he is. And again, very, very tough stretch coming up. Three of their last five games are against teams currently in playoff contention, Vegas, Calgary, and Colorado. So I'm not in love with the matchups coming up for Evander Kane and where he's been right now, just too streaky. For me to want to keep him on my roster
1: stock up stock down brought to you by three brewers micro brewery restaurants locations all across the gta make sure you check it out three brewers micro brewery restaurants great beer great food great times joining me on the domino's pizza delivery line check it out folks domino's.ca delivery carry out whatever you need for the big game family gathering whatever this weekend put the put the oven mitts away don't cook Go get some Domino's.ca. Large four-topping pizza for twelve ninety nine. So many great deals and side dishes at Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. Chatting with James Harding from NHL.com. They're phenomenal fantasy hockey writer. Okay, James, let's get to some DFS. We're talking league fantasy. But, of course, if you're out of the playoffs or you didn't make the playoffs in your league season, you can still play on DraftKings.com and have a whole lot of fun there. So give me, number one, your top overall play on a DraftKings lineup over this weekend's games on Saturday or or Sunday, your choice.
0: Yeah, and I'm going with Austin Matthews tonight against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, He had a goal and an assist against the Flyers uh, earlier this week. 11 points, 6 goals, 5 assists, and 50 shots on goal in his past 10 games. Uh, Just an absolute fantasy beast right now, averaging 5.8 fantasy points per game in that span. And in 3 games against Ottawa this season, he has 4 points and is averaging 6 fantasy points per game. So I'm willing to spend up the $8,200 to put Austin Matthews in my lineup tonight uh, in such a favorable matchup. That's a really, really juicy matchup right there, and a team that he just absolutely dominates every single night that he's on the ice against them. So uh, top play tonight, easily Austin Matthews against the
1: Senators. So... Austin Matthews, he's expensive to fill out the rest of your lineup. Sometimes you need that value guy to pop in. Who's your value play on a DraftKings NHL roster for uh, for this weekend, Saturday or Sunday?
0: Yeah, going uh, to Vancouver in their matchup against Dallas tonight, and it's rookie defenseman Quinn Hughes, $2,700. So one of the lower prices that you can have in DraftKings. Uh, He had an assist and two shots on goal. In his NHL debut against the Kings on Thursday, he skated over 15 minutes and was running the point on their second power play unit. He could start to see an expanded role over the final week now that Vancouver is officially eliminated from the playoffs. They're a young team. They're trying to figure some things out. So I think that Hughes, he's a highly touted prospect, Hobie Baker finalist for college hockey this year. Uh, I, I think he's going to see a very expanded role down the stretch of the, the final week of the season, trying to get him up to game speed and get put him in as many situations as they can to get him ready to play a full season next year. Uh, but I, I really like Quinn Hughes. I like what he did the other night. I like how he skated, what he showed. And at that price point, it's a great place for you to kind of offset so you can spend higher in certain areas of your lineup. Uh, and And defense is always one of the places where Everybody tries to penny pinch a little bit. So in a favorable matchup tonight uh, with Dallas, I like Quinn Hughes at that price point.
1: Great insight and phenomenal information as always, my friend. Very good job. And of course, you can follow James on Twitter at jharding_hockey underscore hockey and check out all his fine work on fantasy hockey topics at NHL.com. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you next week.
0: All right, dude. Let's do it.
1: There he goes. James Harding. NHL.com again on Twitter. Use hashtag HeyHarding. If you want to ask him a fantasy hockey question, he does a great job of getting back at Harding underscore hockey. That'll do it, folks. All done for this week. When we meet next week, it'll be the final day of the NHL regular season. Then the March the Stanley Cup officially begins. For producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto.